Welcome back to another episode of The Russians. I'm your host, or co-host, rather. I don't, <laughs> no, want, to, uh, don't want to overshadow uh, Evgenia <laughs> over here. My apologies. Hi. You know, yes, you don't want to have your own personal podcast. I'm trying to curb my misogyny, internal misogyny. I, I still can't believe that I have to share this platform with a woman. I, 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 it slips <sighs> up once in a while when I'm tired. Yeah, well... Which is, I'm tired all the time now, so <laughs> my misogyny is coming out 24 hours a day. You know, if everyone was such a misogynist like you, the world would be a better place. I'm the good, the good kind of, yeah, misogynist, yeah. Um, uh, so, I mean, I think we should start off the, well, start off the topic uh, that's current, Yeah, I think. we just want to discuss some of the news we've been kind of interested in, um, and then talk about Yasha's recent, um, what do we, would you call installment? Yeah, I guess because it's not even a full chapter because I do mm-hmm. these partial chapters. I mean, it's yeah. I, I, oh, these things don't even make any sense since I'm serializing. But the next installment of my of my very slow moving book, The Soviet Jew, right? A weaponized immigrant's tale. I I, I like it. I think it does sound like a book. I mean, I've just only re- I'm in the, basically still the first chapter of it. Um, you know, uh, about my family history, trying to trace it back as far as I could. I, I as far as I can with whatever basic family knowledge we have that's been kind of handed down and and with the help of some more of, you know historical sources and things like that to put into context but yeah we'll get into right, that right. I mean I, I'm kind of excited that I'm doing it because I don't know just there's just the if I may you know this is the kind of thing that I talk about fairly fairly frequently with uh, you know with people that I know my friends and, and, and colleagues and stuff is just how miserable the political situation is in in America and probably the world, and how you know the the the, the situation in the news media is, re- reflects that, and just everyone's just chasing these never-ending news cycles and ne- never-ending dramas that last a couple of days and then fall away and are replaced by something else. So I'm kind of I've been I've been wanting to exit the news cycle for a long time, you know, or or, or not to spend uh, a significant amount of time in it, just because it's it's like just this never-ending, very um, very shallow and ultimately very forgettable um, kind of way of of, of, of processing or, or interacting with the world, you know? Uh, That's a good segue <laughs> to talk about the news. Yeah, but yeah, because, the, well, the news, it's, it's not, we're not talking about any scandal, you know, and we're talking about just important geopolitical events. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it's 25th anniversary of St. Petersburg International Economic Forum, and um it, this year is obviously very special because it's actually way less international than usual. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of uh, usual participants uh, just, uh, you know, are now sanctioning Russia and obviously didn't come. Yes. And um, it's just happening right now. Literally, Putin was giving pretty big uh, speech today. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah, early, no, it's, early it's, today. Yeah. And, it's a big uh, event. Like the main event of the show. Yeah. The main event. And it's funny, right? I don't know what's the reasoning behind it. Is it, um, I was always thinking, is it like um, just in his character or is it some kind of political um, agenda behind it? He's always late for all events. You know <laughs> that? This time I read, so his event was postponed for an hour, like very, very late already. It was like about to start. And then after being postponed, he was also late for like 45 minutes. Wow. He, like, he really makes the suits, like the top. Wait. Other guys just sit there and wait, which is interesting. I think it's just, there's no way he's just, no. he's late. I think yeah. he's just doing that. It's a that. power thing. So is there some kind of historical uh, um, kind of pre- precedent? Like why? I don't know. Yeah, I can't say. I'm sure I'm sure it happens. I, uh, I'm sure, um, uh, but I, I can't say. But, I, but you know, just know, speaking about him, I mean, it's pretty clear that it's a way of a... St- 
a, kind of a, a, asserting a, your uh, dominance. Alpha thing, right? dominance and yeah, making especially when like all these people are, you know, it's almost like you kind of have to be there in a way. I mean, for it's some the people, court. For, yeah. if you're the court business guy, you, you're there. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, the way that I see the St. Petersburg International uh, Economic Forum is like it's it's a Putin creation, right? So it's a way of, I mean, it's a it's it's like it's kind of synonymous. It's it's his hometown. Obviously, uh, well, 25 years, so it's a bit longer than he's been truly in power. So, well, when did it start? 97. Oh, really? I thought it started in like the early 2000s, no? Okay, that's what I thought it was 20 year. Wait, I thought it was a 20 year anniversary. So, okay, I'm completely out. How, of it. how was your math in school? Well, see, here's, here's what I'm saying is I'm compl- always tired all the time. So, I, I can't even I can't, can't even keep complex thoughts in my head. You're, yeah, no, you're right. So, so it was under Yeltsin, it was created. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Yep. Look at me. Uh, it's probably got like more sort of. Uh, Prominent, uh, prominent, yeah, yeah. you know, in the Putin years, but yeah, it's it's been definitely longer than Putin. Said. Yeah, and it's funny because I was semi kind of waiting for it live, mm-hmm. and looking how it's getting postponed, and he's still not there. <laughs> People writing, "What the hell? He's <laughs> still not here." The usual, and then there were these videos coming out. You're already in this very exclusive event that's very hard to get into. Yeah. You know, they just generally uh, to go there, and it in the room that he was giving that speech. There was like a special um, checkpoint created specifically for his event. Yeah. And the, you could see that it's very, very serious. Like all those uh, business suits lining up there yeah. were very like diligently searched, which I wonder is, I mean, then is it true? Is he scared? But I think, I don't know. Is it, do you think, I mean, do you think, do you think it's different than uh, other years? Just because I know that, and I just no, know. No, not years. Probably it's the same, just for his event. But I just know that like with the with American president or something, it's crazy security. Is it crazy, I mean, right? if it's a closed door meeting and stuff, I think, uh-huh. you know, like in a, with a lot of different people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I don't know, actually, you know, it's a good question. Like, let's say, I, I actually don't know what the security would be like for, you know, like a, like a Trump event, you know, like when he was president. Um, But I mean, I know. Look, Look, he was doing uh, real kind of like public people's rallies outside. Yeah, when he was, yeah. I don't know. It's different. Yeah, well, Trump is a man of the people, you know. Truly, uh, a billionaire of the people. A billionaire of <laughs> the people, unlike unlike Putin. Okay, do you want to get into the sort of yeah uh, our our <laughs> expertise? Meet the, meet, yeah. the event seemed very surreal, right? Yeah. Um, because yeah, just one thing that I, I'll say, what I noticed, it seems to be, first of all, everyone is looking particularly sour in the audience. I was, again, taking um, kind of screenshots. Mm-hmm. German Grief, what oh. does he do now? Wait, let me see. Minister of Economic and Trade. Uh, he's, cu- he's currently he the biz- CEO um, of and Bank. chairman of Sberbank, yeah, the, the right. Russian, the biggest bank in Russia. Well, yeah, yeah. I remember that he was a minister, I guess, when I was a kid. But now he's still sort of in power. Yeah, he, he looked very weird. Deripaska looked very, very like he looked like puckered up. So definitely. Yeah. So the oligarch that's been kind of it's funny. He's been sort of, um, you know, he has a Telegram channel and uh, Deripaska, um, and he um, he's been I don't know he's been like on this line of being almost you know, kind of critical of essentially. Critical yet while not being openly critical. Didn't of you the tell operation. me it's called subtweeting? He's been he doing sub telegramming. Yeah, it's like he was basically posting things that were like critical uh, articles and things like that that were sort of critical of the the war, you know, of of, of the invasion of Ukraine in this very very in this very very gutless kind of way. But I mean, you could it's obvious that he was doing that, and and so he was almost like a kind of an up a kind of almost up up. 
it took, I guess for him, it probably still took a lot of guts. I, I, I don't, I don't know what kind of uh, mental, you know, space he inhabits, but it was kind of straight. It was funny to see him there. And he was just like, I mean, he was just his, his just his, really just a, I don't know how else to describe it. Like a puckered up face, like just a tight jaw, like, you know, just his, uh, his whole, his whole, his whole face is just contorted in this very, almost like he ate a big sour candy. And he's just, and so yeah, it's funny. Although some people are kind of into it because you know the thing about Putin's speech is that he's, if you noticed, I mean he's really feeling good. Like he's like, if you can see that he's feels, um, I don't know, like, um, like like a weight has been lifted off off his shoulders to some degree because I think the first few months of the of the invasion of the war. You know, things did not look like they were going well, and once they changed tactics, and then once really, the the kind of the the blowback to the sanctions started happening, and um, you know, people started freak are freaking out about energy costs in Europe, and you know, especially you know, this forum is being held um, just a few days or a day after uh, the Federal Reserve announced. That it's raising, making this the biggest uh, uh, hike in in rates um, for the last forty uh, years. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, in, in, in a pretty serious increase. And also, they're saying no, they're no, going to like not the rates. I think the inflation is one of the worst. Well, the inflation is worse, but they're trying to like cut cut inflation by raising right. interest rates, and also saying that they're not going to basically do this quantitative easing program, which is essentially sort of buying up buying up uh, bonds and corporate bonds and, and and other kinds of bonds to to flood the economy with money and to like keep up asset prices and so they're not they're not going to do that as much anymore so you know the stock market just crashed in a major way and, um so like this is the kind of the i don't know and meanwhile you know the war is going better and better for them in ukraine you know they're making slow pretty very brutal advances i mean they're just like leveling everything and and been making micro pr- pr- progress you know further west and you know Russia seems to not have is not collapsing at the moment. You know things are like kind of bad, but not like but not in free fall. And in, in fact, even the ruble is stronger than it's ever been. So there, there's all these kind of contradictory things. And you can see he's sort of on the I don't know. There's like he's like he's, he's almost euphoric. He's, but he also feels like re-energized. Yes, yes, because yeah. things were kind of yeah. sort of looking not good for a long time. Yes, and also not just not good, kind of like stagnant. Stagnant and like the, the the military was just like it looked it looked like it was just it right. was failing. I mean it was let, let's be honest in the first few months of the war, it was a total failure. I mean they tried to take Kiev, they tried to do this kind of massive. But I'm talking about even pre-war yeah. things were stagnant and exactly, he didn't yeah. look at, as energized. No, as no, he and then he, he was dealing. Now. He was basically just dealing with all these problems with Navalny and and the sort of simmering kind of like malaise and a simmer. You know there's just meanwhile yeah he's just energized. I mean he's euphoric. I, mean, I don't know how else to put it. He's all smiles. Yeah, but you know. It's kind of weird to see, yeah. A meme-like thing uh, goes around Telegram, so I didn't, I didn't come up with it. Um, but basically, Putin was talking how um, unipolar uh, world has ended. <laughs> Officially, it's over. Yeah. And wherever it's going to be, new world, and you know, people basically will have to consider Russia's sort of interest now. Then the meme says that okay, so <laughs> yeah, the unipolar world ended, and now it's the time of the bipolar grandpa <laughs> coming to the ray, <laughs> which is then you can interpret his uh, seeming euphoria as a as the bipolar uh, he's, he's, upswing. He's in the manic swing right now. Manic yeah, swing, yeah. Yeah. and it goes. <laughs> and then who knows? Yes, he's in the, he is. No, it's funny. You know, the whole the, this so this whole um, economic forum is funny because we when we lived in St. Petersburg uh, for about a year, um, 
2016-2017, when we lived there, we weren't paying attention to when it's coming. But suddenly, we had, there are all these like uh, banners and stuff being being hung. Things were kind of being cleaned up, and then suddenly we found out. I mean, the, the main the main way that we knew that their economic form was in town. Something is happening. We just saw all of these like these really the, the most expensive Mercedes limo. Yeah, Mercedes brand limo. It's called the May- Maybach. Or, um, this sort of it's a two-seater limo. It's like a stretch Mercedes. It's it's a very it's a favored um, car for for people in Moscow, for people in, in government and and sort of and but also in business and entertainment. It's like a you can even you can even call it on Yandex Taxi in, in Moscow. Uh, it's kind of regret the, the never most, doing that. The most yeah. elite classes. These is just really expensive. But if limo. you live in the center yeah. of Moscow, under ten minutes, it will come pick you up. Yes, yeah, so in Moscow, you, I've never seen so many of these types of limos and you I mean I've never seen them anywhere not in New York never not in LA even you know LA has a, a bunch of really nice cars usually people are driving like uh, uh, Rolls Royces or Bentleys or like you know nice uh, I don't know like Lamborghinis or whatever um, but and, and so but in St. Petersburg which is actually a very poor city you know I mean uh, Gas, Gazprom um, sort of the the gas monopoly uh, government gas monopoly has its headquarters there because Putin kind of ordered the company to move move from Moscow to St. Petersburg to like diversify the city's um, tax base because there's no there's not a lot of uh, big companies there but still the city is poor you know compared to moscow um and so you don't see these kinds of cars there and just suddenly the center of town was just flooded with them and you, you know moscow is in town kind of that's yeah, how like, i felt because we kind of yeah. like i run away from yeah. moscow and it's like here it is yeah the moscow it's, it and so all the streets are just packed with these kind of rid- ridiculous ridiculous limos um and they're all like parked in front of you know different like kind of cafes or bars or restaurants that are closed for events Private of, events, the, of yeah. the um uh, economic forum and it, but it's just such a perfect thing because what people I guess what what goes on is they're all of these because and you, they're all they, all the cars also have Moscow license plates you know yeah they obviously. drove from Moscow we were actually trying to figure out how it would happen I think the drivers yeah. would be forced to drive yeah. but the people who actually use the cars and attend the forum they probably fly in the, some kind of, of private jets yeah because it's funny imagine like what no a, there's like a convoy there's I can just imagine like a convoy of like a hundred of a hundred Maybach probably have like some. Um, what do you call it? Then some cars that protect them from being an armed convoy, from being like assaulted. It's yeah, yeah. really. <laughs> they just gun, they just gun through, you know this. Um, I guess uh, partially, like also when you drive from Moscow to Saint Petersburg, there are some poor cities <laughs> in between. Yeah. So just having that convoy. I mean, I just I feel like I feel like there would be like a, 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 a kind of a an emergency corridor basically opened with like, you know. Police cars like with with sirens in the beginning and the end, and they're yeah. just like they just ride through, you know, because they need because you need to because if you're a, you know if you're if you're of the Moscow elite, there's just no way you can like drive around a tiny little downtown of St. Petersburg, which is walkable basically, you know. Yeah, but they don't um, walk. Like you're not gonna be able to like just in a in a in a like some kind of Mercedes or something, you know. You need like the the premium class vehicle that essentially, I mean, I, I, you, I think Pete, you should, if you've never heard of this, you know, you should definitely Google Maybach because you'll see it, it, it resembles, I, uh, it resembles like, uh, basically for, you know, those kind of first class sleeper, um, seats, seating in on airplanes where you can sort of completely, uh, recline and in, inside and things like that and sleep. It's kind of like that. So just, there's two seats in there and they're complete, they're completely reclinable, um, and it's it's kind of amazing to, to be honest. I mean, so I, I I mean I'm kind of you know I'd uh, I mean definitely if I if I if it's a, it's a it's a nice way to get around you know and you you have to have a driver obviously you're not going to be driving those things yourself. 
But yeah, so that's 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 kind of uh, my our uh, recollection of the international forum um, from just the outsider's perspective. Because we would like walk around. In fact, just around the corner from where we lived, um, they had a, a big event, and in, in fact, in a place where we used to actually go. To, to like a, a like a, there's a beer place and like a they obviously didn't let us yeah they in, didn't let so. us in obviously they're just you know. but anyway so yeah it's a big event and I, I don't know this whole like kind of luxury that they surround themselves with that is specifically kind of unnecessary one in the center of the small pretty town where you can walk does tell you something like it's still a very kind of like closed off elite that is scared of just even I think like seeing a kind of like a normal poor person maybe meeting your gaze in the street mm-hmm. when you walk in your Briani suit which is well which why makes sense well they're scared they don't yeah. even like they wouldn't necessarily even go for like yeah. a 10 minute walk I mean someone like Deripaska for instance you know, yeah. why not actually most people don't even know how he looks no one cares yeah. you can walk so it just seems kind of necessary kind of weird but yeah so this year seems to be definitely special because I was just looking um, particularly impressive kind of production yeah the uh, internal level, sort right? of like the booths and the and the kind of because because they have all these like this year I don't know if they do it every year but in this year they had all the different regions of Russian regions having their own booths and showing like the, the you know the the culture and sort of the the ethnic diversity right. of the regions and like playing their like regional ethnic music and even Basically having like going region. full on like Eurasian and, but, but, and all, but also but yeah and what's interesting is it's all super high tech like every surface just um, I've just seen like walk through videos of it mm-hmm. uh, and just every surface of this internal it's like a convention essentially like uh, people can go in there like they you can learn about you know different companies different mm-hmm. um, you know like people have just stands there I mean the, the, the companies and and government and, and, and I guess the regional governments have have stands there and you and and so it's like a convention you know like I mean there, these things happen a lot in America where you just have like people setting up booths with TVs and and like gimmicks and this like, somehow feels way more exclusive no no yeah but, it's, so, but inside, it's like every surface stuff. is covered by uh, like a flat screen by some kind of like a computer digital graphic it's, it looks it's very expensive it's very well done I mean there's like people walking around as like almost kind of like robots um, with like in these kind of helmets wait there are real robots yeah there's real robots but then there's people like basically just uh, who who are kind of who, who with these giant uh, screens strapped to their back with like some kind of information about events and things like that, like schedules and walking around through. That the sounds very Russian. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, but it's, but it's, it's everything is sort of gleaming. Everything is very glossy. Everything is just. They put a lot of money into it. Like I don't remember it being like this. You know, at least when. Well, uh, how you know? You've never. No, because I just from pictures. Just from pictures, it. yeah, just just by. by Maybe. I, I but could what be about? Wrong, I yeah. was wondering what the hell with the booth with the Taliban. I don't know. What, what just you see anything about then? I'm just asking why they're there. Well, it's a, I mean, it's an international economic forum. Like, so there's there's the heads of state or, and or representatives of all sorts of different states that are there, and there's like ties, economic ties between the between Afghanistan now and, and Russia. I mean, Russia has like economic mm-hmm. diplomatic relationship relations with them. Why wouldn't they be? What's are you? What's your what's your beef with the Taliban? Well, no beef. They kicked out Americans, you know. They're they're for a global south, right? They're they're for the global south, yeah. I okay. mean, they they literally are the global. S- I mean, I don't even know if you could be considered uh, Afghanistan could be considered south, but they're like in the middle, kind yeah, of. Yeah, they're the global middle. <laughs> global middle. 
<laughs> well, Russia is in the middle, kind of too wide or south. It's just with well, it's just the whole topic is ridiculous because why? It, 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 I know. Yeah. I'm just joking. I know. I know. It's like the, there's like it's like it's just stupid academic terms that they come up with when you can't just say like basically like exploited countries or like former. Uh, or, you know, like weak weak states or something. I don't know how else you put right. it again. Like uh, exploited or colonized nations and <laughs> formerly colonized nations. I don't know. Um, there's probably better ways of describing it in this kind of strange, abstracted way of the global south. It's also just kind of just it's it's puts everything into a kind of American perspective, right? As if mm-hmm. America is the center of the world and America's relationship with the world in the north south divide. Um, in a ter- way that it exploits resources. Well, actually, like the div- fact that we even, when we mean the United States, you just say America, that's already shows you the yeah. whole unipolar kind of thing, yeah. because you su- like you should say North America, more or less. I mean, I mean, I don't know if any, I mean, the the problem is that America is in this, is in, I know people say that, but like America is in the, is in the name of the country, like United States of America. So it's like, but are there other countries that have uh, America in the name of their country? I don't think so. But there's continent South America. I know that, I know that. But you don't say like, you don't, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a shortening of, I mean, I use America all the time because I guess that's the word that I prefer to use when I describe this country. Does that mean I'm an imperialist? Maybe. American? Maybe. I don't know. I I, I, become the weaponized immigrant I criticize. (laughs) So, but it's interesting speaking of weaponization and colonies and all that. Putin talks about it, the whole colonies, the kind of the end of the Unipolar world. And he talks about how... It's funny, he's very smug because as we know, a lot of people fled the country and even some people from the government like Chubais and big business guys. So it's basically not everyone remained loyal through this. He was kind of smugly saying that literally his words, Domina Djorjni. Yeah, it's um, safer at home. Safer at home. He, he said, it's safer at home. And then no, 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 he said this specifically. It's kind of interesting. He said all of the people. I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he said all the people who thought that you could, you know, basically safely, safely keep your money abroad. That's the not way in to abroad. He said in the West. In the West. Well, you, now you're all. You've lost. He said you've lost millions, maybe even hundreds of millions. It's like no, you lost billions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah, and he was like weirdly very like kind of funny about it and then he said it can even apply to the people who are in this room i said in or not they might not, not be here he yeah. said who might be here yeah so <laughs> no he was sending out a signal like yeah like i'm i i uh, it's he almost like doing this thing i told you so yeah because the signals that's the thing i mean it's i know we're laughing about it obviously it's horrific war and it's all horrible for the entire world and we don't even know if the nuclear thing gonna happen or what but no, uh, yeah. but anyway but the, in general he was kind of sending the signals i think earlier yeah. to kind of consolidate your whatever assets and property internally yeah like he did speaking of the navalny who's now seems like irrelevant in terms of the the threat to putin but yeah, probably from what we kind of learn that um, Putin's palace is real. Yeah. So and that's you know <laughs> that's in Russia. Yeah. So there was a reason, you know. He probably, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Putin making his uh, getaway uh, villa in like a foreign country would be not the. I mean, it would probably be a pretty dumb because uh, yeah, it's like. Yeah, but I heard like Zelensky. He'd be, he'd be, he'd be like, yeah, but Zelensky's not a Putin. Has you a know? getaway villa in Italy, yeah, but, I think. Yeah, but Zelensky's no Putin since Zelensky's right, right. For, for you know sort of like at least now for now you know and and, and for the foreseeable future, 
a, basically a kind of a, a Western yeah, puppet and all this, this stuff. This became yeah. getaway wheelers. Remember, we learned uh, that Nabokov's family uh, yes. had to stay when they had when they ran away from Saint Petersburg from the Bolsheviks to the south. They were staying at the villa of their friend. Um, Countess Countess uh, Panyan, Galitsina Panyan. And there's like this amazing huge villa that is now in such a disarray. Yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't fix it. Instead, they build a new ugly uh, kind of houses for themselves, like yes. the new elite. They wouldn't even fix that. And that seems to be in such a beautiful part of Crimea. Yeah. Well, remember, Crimea yeah. was never, it was never, um, Crimea was like not, you know, it was part of Ukraine for a long time. I mean, until, you know, fairly recently. I guess Ukrainians didn't have the money. And I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> but, okay, but there are yeah. Ukrainian oligarchs. They probably had yeah. the money. But again, it's like, but you could, that's the, always the problem, right, with Russia. And, and, and I think Ukraine, to a large degree, is the same thing, although I don't know exactly. Uh, I'm making kind of an educated guess here. Is that what kind of made moving your money abroad so much easier and better or, or buying property abroad so much easier and better because the infrastructure in Russia or it's in Ukraine good. was just non-existent or was just falling apart. So it would require, you know, investment by the government, by obviously private, uh, you know, individuals, investment that would go beyond just their own personal enrichment, you know, or their personal kind of just their home and their property. Look, I agree, yes, but, the, yeah. but the infrastructure of like in the beginning of the 20th century in Crimea was so much better, was like, was good? Well, Maybe I mean, it was better than. I don't know. I mean, it's a good question. I think it was now. a lot more rural. You know, I think it was just a lot more rural. I mean, ah, and, look, and people live differently. Yeah, right? yeah, they just have an estate with their own, with, with their basically an, a, 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 their own little universe of. You know, everything's cooked for them. Everything's, you know, right. everything is like the, every, the food is brought to them. There's probably food, you know, they're grown in Crimea because it was, uh, you know, it was like an, still a very uh, kind of an Ottoman, um, you know, it was an Ottoman uh, territory and it remained that way until, you know, and basically until the Soviet Union, I think, when mm -hmm. a lot of the Tatars were d deported, you know, during during World War II and like, and, and this, this sort of, it's at least ethnic makeup radically changed. I mean, one of the things that, Nabokov says when he was there, writing about his his time there, was that he 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 described it not as a Ru Crimea, not as a Russian. It didn't feel like Russian. It didn't smell like Russia. It didn't look like Russia. The sounds of it were not Russian. It like had. He said it was you know basically a, like a Muslim place. He called it. I guess you know I don't know. People don't use this term anymore, but Baghdadian he called it as a way of I think as a catch-all phrase for like essentially Middle Eastern or like a kind of a Muslim. Um, uh, country and so I mean yeah I think the the I think it was a much more of a it's just a, it wasn't like a developed um, well since it seems like since the Olympic Games in Sochi generally yeah. the region at least just the southern yeah at least the Black Sea Black Sea they started yeah, developing yeah. and it's like more from what I understand a very expensive Riviera no it's funny you know I mean, with, with the yeah with the with the Olympics in Sochi, you know, they, I mean, Russia followed, I think, a very a kind of a Western development model where the government flooded a region with money for the, for these, you know, for these sports, for a sports event, right? Yeah. For, for a global sports event. And then the ultimate beneficiaries of that development became rich people. So they displaced a lot of people they, and, and they created an infrastructure that could then be exploited by rich people so that they could build their you know their 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 vacation homes their, their and it is exploited yeah. and it's that's what and, and and they kind of did new, that the yeah. new thing since then so in the last what about, about like seven eight years um 
and in the last few years, I guess more so. It's kind of like people from Moscow now enjoy going there for a few days. Yeah, it's like their own little Alps or their own little Tahoe. Or, yeah, because yeah. it's first of all, it's nice and it's at home. <laughs> it's close. It's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's cheap. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Um, it's not cheap. Actually. No, cheap, but you're not paying European prices <laughs> right. at least, you know, or like, yeah, for, for this stuff, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's elite. elite. It's elite. And so it's it's funny, you, and you probably have the exact same circle of, social circle there, so you like, you go to Sochi, you know, and you're, and you're, and you're, you're skiing there, and you're like, you run into the, you're, you know, you run into your friends and acquaintances from Moscow, it's all like, it's all, it's all in the family. You're right. safer at home. Safer, it should become the logo of his new presidency if when he wins, obviously. Safer yeah. at home. <laughs> no, it's 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 anyway, yeah. it's depressing as hell. And all the other ones, uh, what's uh, Miller was saying, they, they seem to be everyone is sharing okay, not everyone, like obviously, they're sour faces, they say, of like business guys, um, and some part of the um government, uh, yeah. in the audience, but then the ones who sometimes take um, like take part in the, those panel discussions they seem to be pretty um kind of cheaper too uh no i mean what is he doing he's the head of uh, gazprom right uh right now he's heading gazprom now he was kind of saying how it's all good yeah of course there's some sanctions from europe no he uh, he said it directly he said it directly he said yeah we they cut uh yes we cut we've had we've had to cut the uh, exports to europe by a couple of tens you know a couple of tens of percents, basically. I don't know what that means, 20 or 30%. I don't know what the exact number, what he meant, but he said, well, yes, that's bad, but um, the prices in gas didn't raise, didn't rise by only just tens of percents. They rise, raised by multiple times the, uh, before the, what they caused before the war. So, you know, it's like, we're not, he's like, he said, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, we're not upset, you know, we're not mad at anybody, we're not harboring any grudges, we're doing just fine. And he does a sort of deadpan and like everyone in the room laughed. And, yeah. you know, I mean, there is this, it's funny. I mean, look, it's like, um, I mean, you know, um, Putin is kind of l- lucking out. And I mean, I guess in, maybe in hindsight, it was sort of, you know, it was, it was, it's one of the possibilities, but he's lucking out because, you know, the, the West is, is it, I mean, there's, we're, if, if America and the West really go into a recession and a depression, not just because of the war, but because of a lot of things, because COVID and um, and rising, rising, rising sort of uh, food costs and rising sort of commodity prices. But also, and, there's new housing bubble, kind of. There's, right? there's a bubble. There's in, there's inflation. That, like the the U.S., you know, during COVID under Trump, you know, pumped so much money into into it, the economy. Yeah, and, and the thing, yeah. uh, you can't blame it all on Putin. No, it's not. But it, it's because it's made it's the energy stuff, and it's also it's not that he did he didn't do it. They 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 decided to sanction, and they, it's like Europe is sort of doing it to itself you know sanctioning russia uh, thinking that it'll you know uh, change the behavior you know uh, but of course like that's never that's never it was predictably there wasn't going to change behavior so there's a blowback and so there's all these layers of, of of economic effects you know the the lockdowns in china are restricting supply of a lot of things i mean you know the, the, you can't blame putin for instance right or even like for the fact that it's it's really expensive to to even buy a used car now, you know, like because there's, or and you can't blame, you know, like just inflation purely, like I don't know, like uh, uh, that people have a lot of money or something to spend. That's why it's happening. So the, what the Federal Reserve is doing is like they're they want to contract the economy, they want to right. crash the economy essentially to cut inflation, and it's going to have all these ripple effects, and it's not actually going to cure inflation because inflation isn't coming just from the fact that 
people have a lot of money in their pockets to okay yes yeah. what's your economic advice i don't know the, I, I actually don't americans i don't have any economic advice i think no but like what spend the money i don't have like i'm <laughs> poor i have no economic advice because i have no you know i i don't i don't even like thinking that way but i just think that it's i mean the stock market is going to crash uh the uh, probably you know if you have money to spend it probably makes sense to put into land because land is always going to hold some value i don't know uh, I, uh but I, i i'm not an economic i don't give economic advice but i'm just saying that like with oh, the economic situation is going to get worse i think in the west i mean uh, and so in that sense they're seeing that they're seeing the beginnings of that like putin and miller and and they're seeing and they're gloating i mean and they're and they're kind of in their best case scenario is playing out i think at least right now you know it seems like and because the the, the political leadership in the west in america and in europe is, is so like weird and like i don't know I don't, it's hard it's like it's, it's not just incompetent but like so sure of themselves and so certain that they're that everything they do is 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 right and and correct but also the elite is so insulated from the or the real economy you know in the same way that you know putin's elite is insulated from the real economy speaking of putin's elite so yeah. it seems to be like media wise since the war it's like only a few faces constantly on the federal channels and everywhere one of the grossest few people you can see and they're the ones doing all the um kind of hard lifting Yeah. And one of them is the head of Russia Today, RT, I guess that's how you're supposed to say it, Margarita Simonyan. And she was the moderator now of this Putin event yeah. that uh, also president of Kazakhstan was invited to. So it was like yes. Putin speech and then, uh, God, I can't even pronounce his name. Well, I can, I need to check. You know, even Putin mispronounced it. Like in a, Putin in a, mispronounced his name? In a bad way, yeah. Like he, this, he did like a... He, like he finished it with a... <laughs> something of that Wait, nature. Wait, this is actually yeah. super imperialist. Yeah, so the president of uh, Kazakhstan is Kasim Jarmat Takayev. He's pretty new. I mean, he's only been in power for a couple of years, yeah. yeah. Nazarbayev, you know, obviously left and... Yeah, Yeah, but what I want to say, so the moderator of this was Margarita Simonyan. And I don't know, maybe she believes in it. She was thanking Putin... And Putin looked almost like he was looking down, kind of. <laughs> but, no, but he liked it. He liked the praise. Yeah, but why yeah. was he kind of looking down? Well, what did she smiling? say? What did she say? So she was, she was saying that she thanks him that now they actually don't have to be embarrassed to be Russians. Because she was saying uh, there are some people now who say, oh, it's embarrassing to be Russian. And she says, no, she thinks the opposite could, could be embarrassed before, but not anymore. So And she's thanking him. And... She does say, I have to give to her, oh, yeah, that like, we're a bit upset about the whole, like, people perishing, you know, people dying. But we don't care about sanctions and all that. She's basically saying yes. we're in the right. Yes. No, but she's, you yeah, did everything a, yeah. right. No, and she's like, thank you. Yeah. She was so obsequious, but also she says, like, millions of people, thank you. It was weird. It was like, it was like thank you, dear leader, for making us, like, for making Russia great again and for making us proud to be Russians again. Yeah. Yes, that's what With, it was. That's yeah, the, but it's a, a bit like a weird roundabout way. Yeah, but that's basically his. And Putin, weirdly, he was weird. He liked it. I mean, it's it's he liked the praise, which is from what you read. It's like yeah, Putin actually <laughs> surrounds himself himself generally with psychopaths. So yeah, that's what he likes. I mean, obviously, people who cr- don't, don't criticize him publicly on stage, you know. Uh, or or even or even ask like yeah. Not just criticize. At least ask something. Yeah, yeah. but he doesn't. Not that I know of any any presence who would allow no no public no, criticism no, no, exactly. on stage. Putin. I mean, look. The thing is, before this whole the whole thing, I mean, was was interesting about Putin is that he would do these marathon 
you know, I don't know. It would, they would be controlled, obviously, but like he's not afraid to speak off the cuff. He's 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 he's. Yeah, but the questions are controlled. And he, who asks I know them. that, but he's but he's. And he's, actually, that whole tradition is insane. I think every year, I know, is, yeah. is he still doing that? The, yeah. He's been doing it for years. There's like, I think he's doing like for four hours straight. Yes. Live kind of Q and A with the people, and by the people, supposedly they pick some people who will ask the question, and he will reply, and sometimes it wouldn't help solve yeah, some sort people, of issue yes, of them. Yeah, yeah. But it's literally like. Some kind of um, live line with a tar. What yeah. the hell is that? It's a, it's the with leader. It's the live like televised kind of uh, helpathon. Helpathon. He's right, like trying right. to help his people. It's a helpline. Like, yeah. It's like a helpline, and they're like able to like ask him like we have we've been living in this village for now five years the road the main road washed out you know the, you know we've been the authorities here you know have been telling us they're going to fix it every year they don't do they're not doing anything we have no other anyone to turn to except you can you please help us and he's like i'll you know it's like what's the name of the village it's like okay yeah i'll i'll get my people on it and the road gets fixed tomorrow you know and that's the only it's just and 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 people do like that. It's it's a funny show. It's an interesting show. It, it is like well, reality first TV. first of all, yeah. people like it because the people who somehow get picked—that's real. It's not fake. That get picked to ask the question or to show up there, they do get help. Yes. So, but but what's insane about it is that that's yes. almost like not the only, but it's it's that's yeah. how you get help in Russia. That's insane. I don't yeah. think it's you actually flattering, but it's not flattering to the to the system, yeah, to the society. The way the system of society looks. So no, I always thought not. it's like that looks insane. How is that keeps going in terms of like, don't you want to like pretend that the system is working with not you writing down the name of the village <laughs> that there's some other ways <laughs> no but it's, but it's no, but, yeah, but no exactly but it's the last appeal it's like the last uh, I agree look you know what's funny though is he, you can't even do that in America you know you, can, you can't do that like there's not even there isn't even the last line of defense you know like there's no Biden calling and saying, Mr. Biden please help us you know but look I a know. system on the low look, level sort of works more or less a bit better better I mean it's the localized I guess you, you know. know yeah I guess better yeah to some degree but I mean yeah. I think it's highly appealing just generally I I, I I share your criticism completely but I'm just saying I think it's highly appealing mm-hmm. you know in, on some to, on some level you know it's a very like basic level animal level to know that there's a someone you could appeal to that will solve your problems you know there's, there's a face that right? there is a face and there is a possibility and then of course you know as you know like you know you're he gets letters from people all the time like uh, as a president for helping asking for help right yeah like all the time that's like it's the, one of the main things that the president like the the, the mail room in the president you know the president's office like that's what's happening there right it's like all these letters from people asking the president for help because he's like it's it's it is they look it's a very centralized very very you know very centralized system that is while it's not like it's not a hereditary at this point um uh, political system. I mean, it has the qualities of like of, of a highly centralized, um, soft authoritarian kind of model, where like the the only person that can really make anything happen, you know, is the guy at the very top. Right. Okay. Before I forget, because yeah. I, I want to kind of wrap up the whole economic forum discussion. But one of the weird things that were happening there, and I saw like different clips from the panel discussions. So, uh, Igor Shuvalov, um he's been kind of in politics for a long time. I think at some point he was like a prime minister. Anyway, uh, now he's the just the head of some uh, state bank, which is called VAB. He was talking about how high inflation is fine, actually. And he said, remember, like to the audience, we were making good money on high inflation in the 90s. A direct quote. And then I'm like, 
<laughs> what? For for most people in Russia, these are times of 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 horrible privation and 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 uh, like just. I don't know. Making good the, money. The, the worst. Like people were like, you know, living off the vegetables that they grew in the their fact that he And it, not only <laughs> the fact that he said it's weird, but also it's actually even contradicts the entire um, narrative, which is whatever. It's not real, but the entire Putin narrative of the Putin's rule, which 90s were bad. Yes. Horrible, disarray, poverty, instability. And then, you know, the Putin, Putin came. came and things got much better. While Shuvalov is saying, hey, 90s were just fine. We were making a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of people were making a lot of money then because they were like had access to um, and access to, I don't know, like raw resources and uh, at discounted prices mm-hmm. and they could export them and whatever and get like, you know, and get like, you know, maybe convert them into rubles. I don't, I don't know. I don't right. know what the schemes were. Uh, I, I thought I thought you would know. Well, no, I'm sorry. I mean, you seem to be turning to me for economic advice and also <laughs> advice on how to um to, to deal in, in shady economic dealings. I wish I, I wish I knew my, my problem with all this stuff was that I was always been poor and uh, in terms of you know personally poor, not making any money, mo- focused mostly on you know on like journalism and writing <laughs> um, thinking you know that was, that, that was more important than uh, accumulating capital. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure if I made the right decision, uh, but, but that's what I got now. So I'm just gonna stick with it. Uh, <laughs> so you know, um, but but I appreciate, but I but I do appreciate that you that you have. I just thought that people who listen to this have so much money to invest. <laughs> and I'm Maybe waiting we should for, do a. We should, uh, I'm waiting for your economic advice. Well, I should start. I should start an investment fund. <laughs> Yeah. And people would like your listeners want to invest. I could guarantee a certain return above the market rate. Maybe do a Ponzi scheme. Wait, <laughs> you're <two laughs> saying you'll basically become an investment banker overnight? But you know how you can do. You know, a sure way of like making money is promising people a return, a fixed return above the what like the average return is, and then a little bit above, right? Yeah, but then what what you do is you, you all the all the new money that you get investment yeah. money you use it to pay out your, the the old investors. Yeah. And so you just keep that going. You try to keep it as going as for as long as possible like Madoff did and and you know, can make a lot of money for a lot of different people. I think you should stick to writing. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, hey, writing journalism is kind of a, a different kind of Ponzi scheme, I guess, you know. Yeah. Actually, way pattier. Yeah. Because there, at least you can <laughs> go on a la- large scale. <laughs> anyway, okay. I feel like we need to talk about your um, your yeah. post. And I, I think the good way to segue into it is um, the longer the work goes and the, the more I look at the kind of the media covering it, it definitely seems, you know, one thing seems hypocritical is that to pretend like what Russians are doing, they're like somehow so unique and so uh, just unprecedented and yeah. how evil you mean the, uh, the west saying that yeah 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 the west saying that and just and just generally just generally yeah how horrific it is and it is horrific but one thing it, it's definitely not is it's not unique and it's yeah. not unprecedented and you do you're not directly but you do write about it a little bit yeah. because when you go deep into your family history you find out such horrific crimes yeah. potentially be done to the you know the shuttle and just from all sides yeah. that it's just yeah. weird to say oh babies were being killed now in Ukraine and it's never happened before well, I mean, as, it's, as yeah. if kind babies of, are dying in any uh, die in any war you know and 
I mean, you know, the the whole, the, I mean, just the the hypocrisy, you know, like it's just it's so cliche to even say. I mean, American media and American pol political class is hypocritical because it's just sort of the default. I think their mode, but right. I mean, who isn't hypocritical? In, 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 if you're like part of a, a ruling elite of a country, uh, but like, I mean, look, you know, I just—it's funny how Europe races to cut off. Russian gas because you know how horrible Russia is and how many people it's killing. It's like they don't. No one has any problem um, importing um, gas from Saudi, uh, or oil from Saudi Arabia. Right. Uh, and meanwhile, it's like pursuing this horrible war in Yemen. Where like you know, where like just children are literally starving to death. You know, and so mass famine. When way fewer people know about it, it seems like and help them. And no one cares. Yeah, and no one cares. And America's providing the weapons. America's providing the providing the intelligence. America's providing the. Uh, the 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 air support and like sort of the 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 targeting the targeting capability and all this stuff it's just it's it's a really gross thing so i mean the hypocrisy is just like i mean I, you know one of the reasons i don't we, i don't talk about it that much here or you and i don't talk about it that much because for me it's like sort of the default like i to, i don't need to talk about it because it's all, i've been I, most of my journalistic career has been just spent like kind of looking at the hypocrisy and looking at sort of the the public face of what what people say you know in, in america and and like the sort of the, the the private and sort of the backstage reality of it, right? Which and they never met, they never match up. They're always projecting these morals onto the world and never and never ad adhere to them. But I mean, for me, what was more interesting about sort of my own family's experience in, in Ukraine, and this is a kind of a, a forgotten history, because even my mom, you know, who is probably you know who's like collected some information about her grandparents and all this stuff, she didn't know about any of this, and I only sort of uncovered it by. You know, by looking at the town where my grandma's from and like what happened to it, you know, because this is a story that they never passed on and they never shared. So you're doing a real like detective work in a way. Because yeah, like, yeah, historical. I mean, I'm just applying my own kind of my journalistic and sort of more amateur historian kind of uh, uh, routine to just my own family. You know, so like you can you, you if when you have a small amount of information about something, you can look at it you know you can sort of triangulate by not looking directly at like us you know what happened to my you know my my grandmother because obviously she's she's long dead and uh you know we don't have any more information from that but looking at what happened sort of in various records and testimonies and you know the historical records surrounding her in the, the moment when she lived and so you can sort of understand what she went through and so but i mean what to me what's interesting is that like again it, it, this goes to just how what a what a powder what a, what a dangerous place you know Ukraine is and how fragile it is and so because you go back a hundred years you know which is not very long in 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 the sort of historical sense of it you know my grandmother was basically born a hundred and three years ago in the shtetl hundred and twenty miles you know south of Kiev um, in, in the essentially what the geographic center of modern Ukraine it's like right in the center and it's very small it's fairly small shtetl and you know, and when you even look at the history of that part of Ukraine, you see it's just it's in constant turmoil. It's constantly being uh, handed off, you know, or taken forcefully, um, uh, signed away in a treaty, um, retaken, um, colonized, decolonized and, and uh, fought over um, like just constantly throughout its history, you know, and and even the recent history, like 100 years ago, um, you just see uh, it as sort of in, in a, on this on this fracture point between between you know different. I, mean, I wouldn't even say it's like between Russia and the West. It's not even true. It's between different um, states. You know that and and whoever has the power essentially 
extends control over it, and when they lose power, they sort of it retreats and goes and vanishes, or you know, retreats to some other place or just vanishes altogether. And so, you know, just even my 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 you know my grandmother Shtetl during the Civil War after the after the um, after uh, essentially the revolution after the revolution happened, uh, mm-hmm. but also then the 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 the, the, the Soviet Soviet Russia. Uh, signed the treaty of brest litovsk to, to end the war you know germany like because that used to be territory that used to be part of the russian empire um of course if you go back a little bit further uh that uh, kiev used to be part of uh, sort of the polish lithuanian commonwealth that uh poland then lost to russia because it lost a series of wars and b- big chunks of western poland you know including you know big chunks of ukraine were russified and taken over under catherine the great um and so but like it, during the, during just a hundred, during just the several years uh, during the civil war when uh, the germans came to town you know they occupied it for 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 a while they like pogromed a bunch of people in that town then they they got kicked out and they got because they lost the war and they sort of they receded and they kind of went back to germany you know and then and then like then it gave rise to like a kind of a more of a homegrown fight between the, the red army uh, various essentially peasant um like Almost like you know, anarchist peasant bands, um, uh, a kind of a centralized uh, government in Kiev that that changed that changed uh, that there were a couple of different coups and it changed hands a couple of times. It ended up being controlled by this guy Simeon Petlura, and and he, and so these bands uh, that were you know came into town and they occupied the shtetl. They pogromed the people people there. Then, Constant, no break. Yeah. yeah, like over the span of three years, and then they. Um, you know, then then the sort of the Petlurist forces uh, lost, and um, the White Russian forces under General uh, Denikin, mm-hmm. Anton Denikin, came through uh, and occupied uh, the shtetl, <laughs> and they also pogrom people, and uh, and this was happening in like you know all across Ukraine, and it was a focal point of this thing, and it was also a focal point of you know a kind of a, you can see echoes of today's conflict in there. There was the conflict between a kind of an independent. Ukrainian identity that was Ukrainian and 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 again and and sovereign uh, that tried to establish itself. Right. Then there was the sort of the 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 Russian imperialist perspective uh, or, uh, or or agenda or whatever you want to call it that was trying to sort of reclaim Ukraine and and join it back to a greater Russia. Um, there was, of course, you know, another kind, of, uh, different other kinds of tendencies. There was like the sort of a anarchist anarchists that were also trying to gra- grab control of Ukraine. Then there was and then there was, you know, the, red, the sort of the Bolsheviks that had their own ideas for, um, for, for Ukraine. And so, and then you, of course, you have these outside imperial powers that were backing some sides, you know, and then not others. So, like, Germany would back one side of the Ukrainian nationalist conflict side as, and, and make, make a deal with them. Then, the, sort of, that was sort of the Axis powers. And the allies, the allies at the time, the French... The British, the Americans, backed the White Russians and actually backed an imperialist idea for for Ukraine, because they wanted Russia uh, to stay in the war. They wanted to kick out the Bolsheviks and have the White Russia essentially maintain the war against Germany. So, th- so back then, you know, like you had Germany backing an independent Ukraine, essentially under a kind of a German, you know, umbrella, essentially a puppet government, and uh, that's on the one side. And then on the other hand, you had. Again, the, another part of the West backing an imperialist Russia, and a non-independent Ukraine, because it fit with their agenda and and their uh, and fit, fit into their agenda with the war against Germany. 
And so, you know, it's just a situation. It's very multipolar. It's very multipolar, and it's very similar in a way. I mean, it's obviously not exactly the same as what's happening there today. But like even just looking at you know the history of my grandmother's shtetl and, and of the history, the Jewish history, I guess they call Jewish experience um, in Ukraine a hundred years ago during the Russian Revolution and, and during the Russian Civil War. I mean, you see the exact same themes play out. I mean, again, the differences are so small that I think if again if 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 like the historian is looking at this thing like two thousand years from now. The, they'll be like, oh, it'll, it's just a sort of a continuation of the same exact fight. You know, it's just sort of like, right. it's like a slightly reconfiguration of the forces, but it's just, it's again, there's like different powers that are fighting amongst themselves, and this region is, uh, kind of runs as a fault line through, through a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And this is what they're fighting over. And so when I look at Ukraine, I mean, it's always good to look at history when, when looking at current conflicts because, because um, while, you know, Putin invaded, and, and, and made this final step himself. I mean, America and the West have been playing a very dangerous game there and inflaming these tensions, knowing full well like that it is a very volatile and and contested region. I mean, it's just, just the reality of it, you know? Uh, and, and so it's like the peace there needs to be like nurtured and babied and, and you know, um, if you, rather than stoked and, and, and sort of, and, and, um, with the co- with the different conflicts revved up. But you know what I'm curious, like yeah. since you know the sister so much better than I than I do, uh, how then do you interpret even seems like well-meaning people who obviously like anti-war doesn't matter like Western mm-hmm. people or Russian people who like not and even would chant Slava Ukraini because it's like know, they're the good guys. Yeah. yeah, they're the good guys, and, and you say whatever Ukraine gonna be free, and that's what you support then would you say it's a bit not delusional but it's actually not realistic you know historically it hasn't been necessarily yeah. that right no because uh, it yeah. seems to be the i'm obviously simplifying but even if you just look around it's like what's the sentiment but the sentiment can be supported by the history right it's like what's that guy john meshmeyer you know like that you know everyone hates him but he has a sort of realist i don't i don't actually i mean i kind of find him kind of annoying a little bit because he looks at everything from this very high Geopolitical, uh, a geopolitical of. thing, and he sits, you know, at the, at the core of the empire and can sort of see these things. But you know, that's the the realist view of things: is that you have these smaller powers that exists between these big tectonic plates of larger powers that kind of come and go and change. Sorry to interrupt for yeah. a second when we were talking about uh, uh, Ivan Ilyin. Yeah, he he would that, say that. Yeah, but that's but that's but that is a more realistic. Um, it's a more realistic, uh, I think it's a more accurate description of reality. Empirical. empirical. It's empirical. Empirical yeah. truth, yeah. what has been before. Not that I say maybe it's great if it no, could be. No, it's not be. great. N- no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah. not great. Maybe it's great if it could be otherwise. Exactly. And truly, like, let's make independent Ukraine. But historically, it hasn't been that no, way, right? No, and it's just, look, it's uh, because a lot of these... I mean, if you roll back the the clock just even a little bit, again, in our time scale, you know, because as our friend Joe Costello likes, you know, we don't have, people don't have history anymore. We don't live in history anymore. We live in constantly the present. Constant now, yeah. And then so so we have no sense of history. But if you just look at even, you know, recent history, before World War One, you know, all of these things were part of larger empires. So this is, we're talking about 100 years ago. It's not a long time ago. 100 years ago in America, you think about it, what was going on? There was the Great Depression, you know, basically, you know, at the time. I mean, people, it's like, a, you know, like big chunks of New York were built. You know, some of these libraries that were built by the Rockefellers or something are standing from that time. You know, right, right. right, like, right. It's not like ancient history. It's pretty, mo- the building that we, were, we live in in San Francisco was built already, mm-hmm. you know? So like, it, we don't, it's not like ancient history. But it's it's pretty recent, and so 
all these all these smaller countries that became independent were part parts of larger empires at the peripheries of these empires you know and ukraine was d- divided up essentially between uh, the austro-hungarian empire and the russian empire and so and so i guess there's like two things you know in the in the old world where everything was just empires right or like and uh, you and and kind of vassal states yeah, uh, that's what you'd have, and in but in the independent world where you have, you have like sovereign nations and everyone has their the right to self determination and all this stuff in sort of this post World One war um, world, you can the the language changed, but the reality on the ground hasn't really changed, and so right. and so like you can talk about countries being free and all this stuff, but usually there'll be a, there'll be some kind of conflict with they'll have to navigate. The relationship with with larger powers, with weaker or you know states that are of equal strength as well, but also larger powers. As Putin would say, yeah. sovereign states. Exactly. I mean, so I mean, it's just so. So look, it's 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 people. What does get kind of you know you 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 get at a good a good point. It's like people talk about national identity and nations as this these things are written into stone. Right, mm-hmm. as if they like, as if there's some kind of permanence to them, as if there's some kind of like holiness to them. I'm not saying, you know, again, it's like invading a country and for for, for a kind of a dubious reason and mm-hmm. killing people, right, is like a, a bad thing. But so, then yeah. what that's caused in, in the West, right, like what you're saying with all these people suddenly, you know, hanging up their Ukrainian flags and like suddenly becoming basically Ukrainian nationalists. It's like as if U- Ukrainian nationhood. And even the idea of, of like a na- of a nation is like something that is I- immortal. Yes, it, like it, it's no, totally it, not historic. just sand and stone. Also, like very definitive. Yes, like, definitive, and which it's truly not. Yes, there's like a split between West and East, and there are yes. all these internal conflicts about what the hell that is, and there are even slightly different languages that's within, been yes. historically even within used. Europe. You have like different regions. Yeah, the different dialects and different exactly. So Bavarians don't really see themselves as Germans, you know. The Alsatians don't really I'm a see bit themselves surprised. as surprised. Ukrainian nationalism on the rise, yes, coming together with this war. To me, it's super bizarre. I, I, I know it's like maybe not the right um, kind of thing to focus on while the horrible yeah. war is going on and the Ukrainians are suffering. I understand that. I sympathize, but at the same time, it's hard for me to like what um, take um, the Ukrainian flag, like be like Slava Ukraini, Giroim Slava, just because. Whatever. promote the national mythology. I just find it weird, even though I'm. I, th- I think yeah. I have uh, probably parts of relatives just like you. I'm Ukrainian, from basically, Ukrainian. but three quarters. Right, right. You like Ukrainian. Three quarters Jew. Ukrainian. Yeah. I guess some Ukrainians, by the way, wouldn't consider you Ukrainian because they say you're a Jew. Yeah. So there's like that. That is a big and my, my, problem. I think my grandma wouldn't even consider herself Ukrainian. She, you know? she would think she's Jewish. Yeah. Yeah, right? because it's again, even looking back at a hundred years ago, what people saw themselves in that part of the world. Jews, because there was no Ukrainian. I mean, there were Ukrainian peasants who spoke Ukrainian, right? And 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 there was a Ukrainian culture, but like, but it was intermixed with a bunch of different things. And exactly. my, even though my parent, my grandparents, lived for centuries, as far as I could tell, because they would have had to come, uh, you know, a few centuries ago at least. You know, I mean, this is like, it could have been anywhere from the, you know, I'm probably like from the 18th or 17th centuries, probably. You know, they were living there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'd be my guess. Um, you know that's pretty Ukrainian, I'd say. You know, if you, if you live somewhere for that for that long, <laughs> uh, but like, but yeah. So, but what is the Ukrainian nation? I mean, it's it's a it, the, the the idea of a nation is a con- construct, and it's always changing. 
you know, and especially things. So right now, you know, Ukraine is this, it's, it's trying to form itself into a nation. Um, it's, it's trying to forge a, a national identity. It hasn't really worked out for it because it has all these different splits. Maybe and, this war is helping it yes, to forge so. an identity, which is whatever, yeah. good for them, maybe. I think maybe. so, in a big way, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, like, I, I mean, again, despite the horrific war and the suffering, I mean, if I'm not, like, I'm not a nationalist, so I, yes. I don't really believe in that stuff anyway. Like, why just because some someone is suffering and under the attack from, yeah. like, the whatever, basically my country, Russia, what I would be supporting the nationalism, the small nationalism, good oh, nationalism of, of them. Of Russia? Yeah. I, yeah. No, not of, oh, of yes. Ukraine. Yes. Now, uh, why? So it's just bizarre. And, and, and okay, uh, I, I know I was probably harping on it before, but I keep seeing this. I find it so bizarre. And it's like, let's say the Russians cannot deal, certain Russians who also can't actually leave, cannot deal with this kind of horror of being like an aggressor. Yes. Um, maybe the, the younger Russians, because they've never seen anything on the, on this scale during their lifetime, at least, because yes. Chechen wars were perceived differently. Whatever, it's yes. it's bad, but they were perceived differently, and it was like, I don't know, it was... It was <laughs> so now they can deal with this, and they leave for Israel, let's say. And I'm... I'm what? Yeah. And and keep kind of being proud how um, brave they are of becoming immigrants of some sort. There's yes. that element and they're kind of doing this partially moral reasons, future no, the children. Like, yes. I'm like, all right, what the hell? Yeah, so, so you're willing to go to a different nation that oppresses a different people uh, in order to, you know, in, in a different kind of imperialist, you know, But also project. you're not just yes. doing it uh, for your certain, whatever, let's say business reasons, but also on a high moral ground. Yes. I'm talking about those, not just whatever, you need to leave, you, you, there are all this different situations, I sympathize, but being on a <laughs> high moral ground while while moving to Israel, this is, and, and, and supporting all this. No, they're like saying, I cannot stand to watch another country. Uh, it's no, like, my there, country. No, but there's been, a, I can't watch the support my, you know my country oppressed like a smaller weaker neighbor you know da, 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 and kill people right. that's why I'm moving to Israel you know <laughs> I do see this a lot and it just especially it just in the early few, in the first few months it was pretty prevalent and in some ways it's yeah. like okay obviously they know what's going on in Israel but it's funny because I'm like guessing they interpret the Israeli situation in a similar terms meaning yeah. small good nationalism yes Jews Israeli is good Russian nationalism no bad but also I bet you they see it in, in a different way because they're Jewish um, you know meaning, meaning that they're Zionist like by default they're like basically you know so Russian Jews you know Russians who have an Israeli passport they're Zionist by default I mean uh, and so what they probably see so they have the Zionist version of you know the kind of of what what Israel is up to and they see it as probably they see it exactly like you said they're like they see Ukraine they see like the Palestines and sort of the Arabs you know as Russia Essentially, yeah, but yes. how is that? How no, you turn it that but that's, way? But, but but that's just the way it is, and I think you know. But that's how. But this is the the the, the sort of the. You know the the cultural. Uh, well, you're allowed actually, when almost you're allowed to think that you're allowed to even say it in polite society to some degree. Yes, of course, yeah. And Israel sees and and people I I see people in Ukraine just, just talk that way a lot. You know, like they see themselves as. Because again, it's like here. Because generally, for nationalists all around the world, Israel is like a model, right? Because it's yeah. But I think Russians didn't we see there was something contradictory. I think Russians at the same time would probably see themselves also as Israelis. Well, yeah, no, because that's what, know, I'm, yes, so that's what I wanted flip. to get to. I think this is all the the, the kind of cultural uh, relativism, in it, I guess, or whatever. Like it all depends on your perspective, right? Of what your own grievances uh -huh. and your own like particular view on on where you stand in like the exploitation 
unification matrix, you know, uh, in the power matrix. I mean, I think Russians would could see themselves as a besieged power, you know, by the West, essentially. And Ukraine is essentially just, you know, and if you listen to Russian television, they, they always say, we're not fighting Ukraine, we're fighting NATO, right? And, and so they see, they see NATO and sort of America behind it as the major imp- imperialists, basically the Arabs, <laughs> so to to the to Russians, the West are uh, is, are the Arabs, you know, who want to destroy Russia because so they because see they the see West themselves as, as the Arabs because they see themselves as Israel, you know. I mean, the, ah, and Ukraine as a Palestine is a proxy for the yes, Arab. Yes, basically, uh, yes, yeah. This is insane. But I mean, I think I've never heard anyone express it that way. I'm saying that I think that's the logic because they're also people in Russia like Israel. I mean, they they're nationalists. They believe every nation, every people should have a nation for themselves, and they're generally well, except Ukraine. Except Ukraine. No, no, it's, it's it, no. There's 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 problem there's problems. You know, um, because uh, yes, it's it, it's again, it's there's it's not like clear cut here because they because they don't no because they see there as Ukraine has or whatever Ukraine has taken what are Russian lands right yeah. <laughs> and so um, I mean, there's just this whole thing about this is our country's lands our nation's lands there's something with these sort of more monarchical kind of older um, monarchical um, organizations to society there's something I think more healthier about it it's like I'm the king right like I have power I have more power I take more land <laughs> and also everyone who's in that land going to be part of my kingdom yeah and like and I it depends and then it also depends on you it's like I might want to convert everybody I might not want to convert everybody. like it just depends on what your particular like your view views on things are but what's those people <laughs> supposed to think what's well, yeah. happening well but I'm just saying it no but, 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 but the people who it's happening to what they're supposed well, to they're do just, they're just the little people that get like tossed around you know they have no power <laughs> no, but, yeah. no no not power but you know now is like everyone obsessed with identity what the, the people well, should just think well they're like I am a Christian uh, I mean look because I've read you just a, said they might get converted well uh, not always right but it's like I am I am a Protestant um, you know who lives in a Catholic world and I'm like I'm kind of besieged a little bit by them but like that's my identity or like in we're like people you know who, who lived in under the Russian Empire or before that it was under Poland you know Jews who lived in the Ukrainian countryside they'd be I think the way that they would see themselves is I'm a Jew living in Poland mm-hmm. surrounded by Ukrainians and some Polish people you know okay or like so you, you, so some, so by some Russian Orthodox pe- people and some and some Ukrainians or, or and some Catholics and you and, and so you're just live you're just you're living a matrix of other cultures and societies mm-hmm. But under a kind of a bigger power, you know. Okay. I mean, that's the idea. Well, but at least publicly, Putin is saying that's what he's trying to do. Yeah, but he's saying that this is Russian territory. That's the whole thing. Is that there's like no, but the, he says you can be anything. Kind of. I'll tell you. you don't have to be uh, let me Russian just finish my thought. Let me just finish my Russian thought. Putin. I just want to finish my thought. Is that what the the pernicious aspect of nationalism, right? Which is it, what it takes something, right? It takes something that is. That is currently happening like Russia controls this land or Israel controls this land or America controls this land or Germany controls this land and it like projects it backward into 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 um, eternity okay saying that by saying that this is Russian land it isn't like oh well this is just land that Russia conquered uh, some time ago and we're gonna keep keep we're gonna hold on to it because we have the power to hold on to it okay. and you know if someone wants to grab it from us go ahead try it that's basically how it's always been and in continues to be it continues to be, but in, but like the, they the, pretend it's something. The else. thing with nationalism is it it's, it kind of like does it in this weird voodoo, right? Which is it it says we at some point held this land, and so it's our land for all eternity. 
Okay, because so it's connected to our nation. It's, it's, it's weird. There is as much violence as before, but there's also hypocrisy when they don't want to say that we're strong now, we're taking it. Yes. They try to weirdly justify it by this, some kind of historical... Well, the nationalist ide- ideology. Which is seems like not necessary because you're still going to use br- brutal force. So what? who cares? Just say you're just doing this. Yeah, because but you can't. You, right? I guess in the modern world you can't do that. You have to have an identity. Uh, but uh, from what I understand, what you're saying is that you almost like prefer this semi-honesty of the pre-modern world, I guess. So I don't know what's the term. Yeah. Where you just say, okay, I'm taking it. I'm just, yeah. I mean, I guess there was probably other hypocrisy there. It was like They're like, we need to protect these Christians that live there or something. Or we need to go liberate Jerusalem because that's where Christ was born or whatever. You know, like there's, the, there's always justifications for it. I'm just saying it's right now it's the, what's particularly bothersome about the nationalist narrative is that everyone accepts it as a as a given like right. this idea that there's this Ukrainian land or something you know or that there's this Russian land that right. like needs to be defended and that it belongs to you where people say well Crimea is of course Russian it's it's Russian land it's Russian and it's like well I mean I guess it depends on how far you back you go well I so, guess yeah. from all this it's just obvious that as you say nationalism is the only surviving ideology yeah I guess socialism I guess was kind of became yeah. obsolete so that's why it's been sort of weaponized because that's that's there's the one. nothing left no yeah. but that's the one that's kind of still alive clearly alive because yeah. people do flag waving both in Russia and in Ukraine yes. there's some weird revitalization of nationalism yes yeah yeah and uh, I there's not there's nothing else no there's nothing there but, yeah, but yeah. you know uh, yeah. I just want to I'm just actually a bit surprised by speaking of like nationalism and I guess Russian Empire I read that um, uh, this uh, heir to the Romanov dynasty or yeah. Grigory Romanov it's the guy who got married last year publicly uh, in oh, St. Yeah. Petersburg Church with all this like it was very pompous he actually is at the economic forum right now yeah, he's and there. So he's at the. He's been now seen at the uh, <laughs> one of the uh, p- parties. He should assassinate Putin and take his power and take his throne back. <laughs> no, why I'm bringing it up. I'm like I'm a bit surprised because I thought <laughs> it actually. Who knows? Maybe he hangs out with Putin, but and it only proves that Putin is on the <laughs> right track, restoring Great Russia. But I'm a bit surprised. Wouldn't like a person like this be in the camp of like stop the war? Putin is horrible. Why, why is he there? But he, what, what? Why would he be against the war? Because he's like what Spanish citizen, oh, he, one of those Europeans who I think once that happens, supposed to say, "Oh, of course, Russia is horrible. I'll never go there." No, again. but he, but doesn't he want? Isn't he like want the throne back? Do you want? I mean, he. I mean, he's nobody in Spain, right? He's someone in Russia. <laughs> That's like a very good way to I mean, put uh, it. I think. I mean, just let's look at a personal in, on a personal level. He's a. He's a. He's being. His like. I guess they're trying to like trot out. Uh, we have still there's some aristocracy, and they support. They support the regime. You know, like what? Is, what's Spain gonna give him? Nothing. You know. But anyway, so you, that's not surprising for you at all. I, I mean, I think if this guy is like you know pretend a pretender or a, co- a contender. Uh, Wait. Okay. The, Are you saying he's like all right? I'm gonna be next. He'll restore Great Russia, and then I'll take. No, but he has at least has some. He at least has some w- worth, pretty clearly, to the Russian elite at this moment. You know, like as as like his title, it's, it has value. I mean, I would just say it would be funnier if he tried to like take the throne. <laughs> if he went the next step and tried to organize a palace coup and install himself wow. as oh, while this is going, he's, on. he'd be perfect in Saint Petersburg. Then he'd like can set set himself up, move the capital to Saint Petersburg. 
kick kick all the art out of the Hermitage and and sort of <laughs> maybe, re, remake it into the Winter Palace, right? I imagine how yeah, he's like this kind <laughs> just of live pudgy. In, he just live live <laughs> in the Hermitage. Yeah, yes. just, mm. like, that's pretty I imagine nice. He's this kind of pudgy person. <laughs> he's like. <laughs> running wild all of a sudden through Hermitage like, like these orgies and all these like yeah, no oh, I'm oh, saying oh. first he needs to clean it up he's picking up all this weird like art things whatever little statues or if there are small <laughs> paintings of the walls like, just you know, throwing them down he doesn't care about this shit it's his house right yeah, it's, it's right house of his he, has a, he has like a fit he has like he's like upset that <laughs> his steak is not well uh, is like undercooked or something and he just goes on a rampage and tears the Picassos off the wall and like the Matisse's and the <laughs> um, I mean that would be cool right? <laughs> cool and the fact if he even tried that and then was imprisoned that would be way, much you know, cooler be, uh, you, know, he, you know what he could also do he could sink the uh, Aurora <laughs> that's crazy because he'd be like because it's like the symbol right. of but, and they put it there by the yeah. way why are they allowing it to stand there but you know what I just got this idea right yeah. which is that like it's a symbol of the of Soviet regime and like of the of the of the blood bath okay, that they imagine unleashed. if he swims there <laughs> and, and, and like puts a mine onto it blows it up it sinks He's then he takes power. No, then cool. he has to swim out because he's beyond right on Dvartsova Ploshe Hermitage, <laughs> and then he needs to take. He, to he, take he, he doesn't seem to be very fit, right? No. <laughs> But that would be more. That would be much more interesting. This, yeah. Imagine if he attempted something like no, this. Because like, look, they're they're setting everything up to that. Like, if it's, they're not. I, I don't even see them as like you know promoting the provisional government or something like that, or like some kind of democratic. No, Putin is actually so reactionary that he actually would not. I, I believe he's not supporting even the February Revolution yeah. that a lot of liberal bourgeoisie yes. did support and probably now even would support. even the Boko's father supported right not even yes he, he was part definitely of it definitely yeah, yeah. part of it part of the provisional government yes so just you have to imagine so this this is the former KGB basically <laughs> the version of Cheka officer who is like wants to restore I, I don't know if he wants to roll back 1905 oh, yeah. and does he want to get rid of the he, the way he acts he, he seems like yeah he wants to rid of any constitutional like things and just and roll back no, yeah. to yeah. pre-1905 and just have an absolute monarchy to some degree I mean I'm just I don't know what he would want but like just the language around how they use and the people that they just quote the rhetoric, and this, yeah, yeah. The rhetoric it is monar- monarchical not even yeah against the revolution of, uh, of uh, anything yes and so so the so the thing is, it'd be actually a perfect thing to do for someone like a Romanov to come at the at the, at the peak of that, and just take and to over. seize power and see. And so he's like, this is an illegitimate ruler, and then he'd ha- he'd have to have Kirill Patriarch Kirill come in and support him, right? Yeah, yes. and also he probably would need to put the hat on, the Monomax yeah. hat, that's now in in Moscow. Um, what is it in the Spansky Sabor? Do you think he'd he should... ha- do you think he'd behead Putin? He'd have to, or put him in a convent. <laughs> I think he should probably also take uh, his wife. Yeah. He put the con- the wife into a convent. Put the wife into and where what's up with Putin? I guess he'd have to be, be probably the like Arctic Circle maybe banishment. Mm. You know. Although mm. it's hard, you know, if if it was Peter the Great, you know, you know, you know what would happen, you know, everyone would everyone God's would, out. Every, well everyone would die. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But but you know what we should like I don't know if I can keep it in that's way too like what because we're thinking through the power of the the, 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 the next stuff yeah well you know I'm just saying that like that's what I would be impressed I mean the fact that this 
this guy, you know, this like whatever tenth, tenth generation, whatever. I don't even know what what degree, what like what percentage there is actually any like of Roman of blood is in him, you know. His mom is you know, a every Roman generation of- a quarter, there, right. it quarters. So, but yeah, but that would be more impressive than him just attending the economic forum, you know, and being like, "Yay, Putin! Oh, amazing speech!" Whoa. Yeah, it's the the new court essentially. It definitely feels like uh, like a a court, and 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 that's I guess the gross part is that it feels like you have to be to some degree part of the court to just sort of um, kind of function yeah. well. But at the same time, like not everyone needs that stuff, so you can be like marginal. Since the war, it's kind of a bit more. You have to the choices are a bit more distinct, right? And you almost have to show your patriotism, right? And you have to right, show right. proactiveness. I, you know, it has that quality. I, I, yeah. I think I've, I've, I've been saying that it feels like before not a lot, I think, was asked from you as this kind of person around there. Yeah. But now, yeah. And uh, that's why I don't necessarily think so highly of people who just leave, like, to buy. Oh, what what a great honorable man. No, the fact he kind of maybe can afford to leave. Yeah. But I don't think it shows any honorable thing. It just probably, okay, he doesn't want to do patriotic stuff yeah. and just show his face there. And, uh, and yeah, and those people, they seem to be doing that from judging by the pictures and the videos, but they kind of resent that they're doing that. Yeah, you have to put in the, you have to put in the work this time. What a weird times we live in. Uh, until next time, thanks for listening. Okay, bye. <laughs>